I'm Tyler Smith, and this is More Than One Lesson, episode 102. Uh, thank you all for listening, and uh, I presume thank you for all the positive feedback you gave to us uh, about the Noah episode, and uh, the God's Not Dead episode, and the Departed Minisode. I assume you all loved it, uh, loved them all, and uh, just the, the positive comments came rolling in. I assume that's what happened. We are recording this weeks before it goes up, and uh, I like to anticipate the best of you guys. So thanks again. You're, you're the best. And thanks for donating all that money. So, okay, uh, we're going to uh, – before you know what? I'll say this. Before I uh, introduce our your beloved co-host and mine, um, I guess I already did. It's Josh Long. Josh, how you doing? Hey, everyone. All right. I also wanted to thank everyone for the uh, candy that they sent personally to me. Um. Yeah, thank you. Would you like me to put your address uh, in the about section of the website? Uh, we'll, we'll see. Okay. We'll see. All right. You got to get a PO box just for candy. That's true. Candy <laughs> PO box. That's a good idea. But now that just sounds like a PO box made of candy. Well, that's not a bad idea. That's either. not going to last long. It's like the gingerbread house. You know, yeah, well, it's that not woman, long before you start eating it. You know, the thing itself instead of what's inside. But it. that old woman lived in that house. That that's a different out. one. That's the that's the witch. Yeah. Right. Are those two different stories. I think she's an old woman who is revealed to be a witch. Yeah. But she lives in a house made of candy or something. Yeah. Is, that's the gingerbread house? I think so, yeah. Okay. Man. Yeah, she was living there in the woods, no less. Be is hard, that right? It'd be hard to upkeep a house, an edible house in the woods. I Some type so, of edible yeah. house. There are animal, animals that are just going to pick at it all day long. Yeah. Man, but it right. worked for her. So <laughs> what I'm saying is why couldn't a candy P.O. Right. box work for me? You need to be comfortable dabbling in witchcraft. You know. Which you kind of already are. We'll see. I mean, you know. Like before I mean, the all those computers with wireless internet and all. <laughs> um, okay. So now that uh, Josh and who and what he is has been well established at You're this welcome. point. You're um, welcome. Somebody who just loves candy. Which is true, by the way. You do love candy. I do love candy. I'm not joking. <laughs> he, he is not. Um, but uh, do I tell that story? I will not. Uh, we, we have a guest, so um, and we don't want to offend him with your candy love. I um, don't know how that's possible. So, uh, okay, but before we before we uh, introduce our guest, I do want to uh, lead by saying, um, as you might have read in the uh, description of this episode, uh, our guest today has uh, has a stutter, and it may sound counterintuitive to some of you thinking, well, wait a second, this is an audio show. Why would you have somebody who has uh, the occasional uh, speaking issue? Uh, why would you have him on an audio show? And it's because um, his story um, and the film that he has made about it, uh, about you know uh, stuttering and such, um, 
I find it to be very encouraging, uh, very uh, even inspirational a little bit, and I think you guys would benefit from hearing his uh, his outlook uh, on such things. And so I just want to let you guys know in case uh, you know you might hear like like a, a just a short silence or something like that. And I just want to let you know to to be ready for that, or you might not. Who knows? We'll see how it goes. But um, but anyway, so. Uh, so already, I'm revealing a lot about our guest. He's a filmmaker and just an all-around good guy. His name is Morgan Lott. Morgan, how you doing? Doing pretty well. How are you doing? Not bad. Yeah? You know, I also really like candy. Okay. See? Yeah. Do you have a favorite kind of candy? Let's go candy bar. What is your favorite candy bar? I like, I like fruity candy. So, like any, any mm. sour Mike and Ikes, mm. Zours. Nerds, that kind of stuff. All, the, all the, the, the the Wonka stuff. I like the Wonka stuff. Fair my, enough. My brother and sister love the Sour Patch Kids. That's probably, mm. that's a good one. Classic. <laughs> Sour Patch Kids are so good. Uh, Sour Patch Kids are not for me, but uh, I'll. I don't have nerds very often in my life, except on your show. Whoa. Hey. Wait, who? Who are you insulting here? Me and Morgan. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Just anyone who's been on more than one lesson or battleship pretension. You hear that, Tom Wilson? Um, so, uh, uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't have uh, nerds very often, but what I will say is uh, every time I do have them, it is uh, it's like a day off uh, because, <laughs> like, an unexpected day off where you're like, oh boy, what a wonderful day. Because nerds are delicious, they are the best things ever. <laughs> And they're really hard to eat. They are hard to eat, yes. But you know what? It's worth the it's worth the effort. Um, I feel like they're in, we're going way too deep into this, but I feel like they're an exercise in self control too, because you can put like three of them in your mouth, or you can put all of them in your mouth. Sure. My vote is all of them. <laughs> I just just because it, it feels particularly strange. It's like if I, it's like oh, this is like if I were to just have a big mouthful of sand, but it's delicious. <laughs> Um, full of delicious sand. It does have that gritty quality. It like should say is. that on the bag. Like, get ready for a delicious mouthful of sand. <laughs> Wonka, you marketing genius. Um, Josh, do you have a favorite candy bar? I know that you're a chocolate fan. I do like chocolate. You know what? I like those, uh, that's not a candy bar, but those little truffles. You know the ones that have like the truffle stuff inside, the round ones? Mm-hmm. Those are good. I kind of know, yes. Are they like in a gold wrapper? Yeah. Okay. I well, the regular about. one. Th- there's okay. different types. Gourmet candy on the colored wrapper. Yeah, it is. Okay. It's, a right. little, it's a little high end. Yeah, fancy pants over here. <laughs> decides. You know. You know what? For me, though, I am a big fan of uh, chocolate. My favorite candy bar, probably a payday. I'm a big fan of the payday. It's a good one too. So, okay. Now that that's been established, as it should be, uh, Morgan, how you doing? <laughs> Well, I'm excited to be here. Okay, good. I can tell. Yes. Um, Thank you. But, uh, okay. So, we've got a lot to cover. And I want to say thanks for being here, first off. And thank you uh, in advance for uh, for what we will be talking about. I know that uh, for a good portion of your life, it was uh, difficult to talk about. And now yeah, it's yeah. almost exclusively what you talk about in yeah. life or what people talk to you about, I guess. Yeah. Um, including me. I'm part of the problem. So, uh so okay, uh, tell us a little about a little bit uh, about yourself uh, biographically. Where were you? Where were you born? I was born in San Luis Obispo when okay. my parents were on vacation. I grew up in Fremont, California. Okay. Till I was nine, moved to Simi Valley, California. 
and then went to Biola University, and now I live in Costa Mesa, California. All right. Well, I guess that covers that. Yeah. I guess that is all we need to hear. So you basically ruined your parents' vacation by being born, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I'm the uh, firstborn. Okay. So they were in the last, a last vacation yeah. as uh, without children, right. and I uh, decided to come a little early. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh boy, it's like, all right, no children, let's enjoy this. Hey, I'm here. What do you think? Hey, everybody. And they uh, haven't been on a vacation since. Nope, not at all. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, so you're you're very much a local person. You've uh, yes, you're a California guy. I'm a Cali boy. Yes, I am. I am I am originally from California myself, uh, but I'm from the part of California nobody likes to be from, mm. uh, which is the Bakersfield area. It's a good area. <laughs> yeah. oh, why? why? <laughs> oh, I mean, oil. It's got a lot of oil. Not so much anymore. A but of, oh, yeah, you used to have a lot of oil. Yeah, yeah. It's got. Yeah, there's a lot of pollution there too. That's there. Sure is that's something they have. And there's a big prison. So. And uh, it's in the middle of the desert, so if you enjoy tarantulas and scorpions, I've got good news for you. Uh, you will love the Taft, California, Bakersfield, California area. Uh, I wonder if maybe that's the, the root of my uh, crippling fear of spiders. Anyway, uh, because tarantulas are terrifying. So, Morgan, do you agree? They are scary, yes. Okay, thank you. All right, so we've got a consensus here that spiders are the worst. Right. So... Um, so okay, California, fun-loving kid out in the out in the on the beach, right? I assume. Uh, yes, sure. I'm choosing yes. to embrace the stereotype. Yeah, I'm, I, I live right next to the celebrities, and <laughs> exactly, I, I take my surfboard to school. Right. <laughs> yeah. The teachers let you wear sunglasses all day long because oh, yeah. that's that's how it is uh, out here. Um, but uh, and you know what, Midwesterners, if you just come out here and just tell people I want to be an actor, they'll just let you. They'll be like, okay, would yeah. you like to be in my film? Just step right off the bus, and there will be someone waiting for you. There's a you team say. of producers there, yeah. and they're, they're all fighting for the yeah. best actors. Yeah, they've all got uh, their contracts on clipboards, yeah. and they're just they're ready for you. Sign here, sign um, here. So, uh, so you are uh, a filmmaker, mm-hmm. first and foremost, I would say, right? You do uh, graphic design, among other things, but uh, do you think of yourself as a filmmaker first? Yeah, yeah, okay. I do. I I grew up making films with a PHS camera and okay. with my friends and it's kind of random, random stuff. And then I never considered doing film in college or anything like that. But then I took a video production class in high school, my mm-hmm. senior year, and it completely switched switched my mind about film. And um, my uh, t- t- teacher, Miss uh, Taylor Torre, mm-hmm. was the one that really really allowed allowed me and, and the people in the class to really explore the creativity mm-hmm. and and kind of find find our creative styles for ourselves <laughs> and that's what led me into wanting to go into film okay uh what uh, so growing up were you like a movie fan did you enjoy i mean nine times out of ten any kid who decides i want to make movies even just as a kid they probably come from a place of loving film. Um, did you watch a lot of movies when you were a kid? You know, not not really, not really. No, <laughs> um, we did. M- me and my friends, we would just do little little skits. So, uh, c- c- Crocodile Hunter, mm. uh, <laughs> faking Crocodile Hunter, or we did like a 
a musical, mm-hmm. just just like just random random stuff and uh, commercials, those kind of things. So I wasn't making films per se, narrative mm-hmm. narrative films. There was a lot of improv, yeah, just making stuff up on the fly, yeah. Um, and then and then once I got to high school, you know, we started writing scripts and doing the whole narrative mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've never, and I'm still not. Ironically, super into movies. You hate movies. <laughs> oh, I hate movies. Like. No, okay. no. I, I enjoy them, but I'm not a movie nut. Um, I can't really tell you why, and I, it might be because I didn't really grow up grow up with movies. Like mm-hmm. That wasn't really a big part of my life, and so it just kind of translated into my adult life. You know, that does happen from time to time. As you run across somebody who, just for whatever reason, they stumble into often through like kind of goofing around with friends mm. uh, and then decide, well, let's just put this on film or likely video. Yeah. Um, let's just do that. And they sort of stumble into making film without ever like arriving Actually there wanting through, to, yeah, yeah. Arriving there through loving film and that sort of thing. So, okay. So you hate film. I got that. <laughs> um, joking of course uh do you uh are there any let me ask you this are there any uh movies that you do particularly enjoy yes okay yes there are there are a few um a few a few movies yeah no my my favorite director is wes anderson okay um i still haven't seen his newest okay um but i love how you see one frame of a wes anderson Anderson film and you know Oh, yeah. It's Wes Anderson. Mm-hmm. Like I think him as a director is so like he controls every single every single part of that film, and I think that's in high school I grew a lot of, like a lot of inspiration from that, and just mm-hmm. trying to develop my own style, my own creativity, like and, and really search for my own voice mm-hmm. within film or art in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of his movies are incredible. Um, what I like about a Wes Anderson is if you take a frame of his film, each frame represents about 350 decisions he made uh, <laughs> of like where that's going to be. And that that's the thing. Yeah. I say that both in a positive and negative way. There are times when I think that he kind of gets carried away with that sort of thing. Absolutely, yeah. But there are other times when it's like, oh, that's so, you know, if every filmmaker put as much care into their film as he does, mm. I feel like film as a medium would be better. But uh, what I also like about him is I call Wes Anderson. He's the 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 first hipster. I, I I call him. He's he's the original hipster. You you look at his style, like what he actually wears, mm-hmm. and he's been doing this for years and he he looks like he's he's the most trendy popular kid right now mm-hmm. of the hipsters <laughs> like this wes anderson he's he's the man and you know once like his newest films then it tastic mr fox mm-hmm. kind of put him on the map as far as popular culture goes um and then the hipsters started picking up on this guy this mm-hmm. guy wes anderson who's awesome and well, let's go to the arc light and watch you know <laughs> all the stuff and love it. Now you've put, now you've put a, a claim out there in your opinion that like Captain America is the first Avenger, as we all know, Wes Anderson is the first hipster. I, think so. I will now wheel around and ask my friend, Josh, Wes Anderson or Noah Baumbach. Noah Baumbach is pretty hipstery. And I feel like he's been around around about the same amount of time. 
Yeah. I mean, it depends on how you define it, I guess. Okay. You could probably say the first hipster is somebody like Serge Gainsbourg or somebody like that. That's but, not far <laughs> off. Fair enough. <laughs> but um, I, 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 I do agree that his kind of style and his, uh, his look and personality has come to affect popular American culture a lot more than, than others might have. I think I think he's had more effect on popular culture than No Bomb Oh has. my, yes, yes, absolutely. Um, and it does seem it, it was inevitable that the two would eventually find each other for the Life Aquatic mm-hmm. uh, to to co-write uh, yeah. the film that is largely considered the worst uh, in <laughs> Wes Anderson's uh, filmography. That's, That's like the it. effect of a Noah Bomb <laughs> He just ruins everything. I'm joking, of course. I enjoy I enjoy his films, um, but. Uh, Okay, so aside from Wes Anderson, is there anybody else that really? Well, let me let me let me frame it like this: uh, Are there any other filmmakers or f- specific films that you feel like ha- had an effect on who you are as a filmmaker? Hmm. When I was in high school, I saw Collateral. Oh, all right, Michael Mann. Yeah, yeah, and. That really made an impact on me because I thought that Tom Cruise made a great bad guy, mm-hmm. and I think what what it told what it showed me is that that Tom Cruise is this is this suave guy. He always plays you know he's Mission Impossible and and then the guy people fall in love with, but he plays like this bad menacing dude mm-hmm. in Collateral, and I thought that was fascinating, not just of him. But of of the casting director, the, the people who thought that oh let's let's cast Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. Same thing with uh, like when I first heard that Heath Ledger was going to be the the Joker. Oh, yeah, it's like what? Like who <laughs> who decided this? Yeah, and then to see to see him, I mean, blow it out of the water. I think that's really cool to to see kind of filmmakers not just be the generic okay, let's not do, take risks but like let's let's find the best person for this role mm-hmm. and make decisions that a lot of people probably won't agree with or think is a good idea in the beginning yeah and then just kill it and i think i think the tom cruise character did, did that for me at least um and then obviously uh, the choker is now historical i mean it's mm-hmm. the, the that that role has gone down in history is you know, amazing. Hmm. Did you ever see uh, Christopher Nolan? Well, I guess he has a history of doing this kind of thing. Uh, Christopher Nolan's Insomnia. Uh, the villain is played by Robin Williams, and I think it is maybe his maybe my favorite of his performances. I yeah. think he's amazing in it. Hmm. It's great. I'll check it's, it a, out. it's a film you should watch. Yeah, if you like that kind of thing. Um, so okay. So and then do you, would you consider yourself? Is it is it mostly kind of the unconventional casting of collateral or was, was it there the, the visual sense as well? Cause Michael Mann is Visually, definitely yeah. a, the cinematography was incredible and yeah. the editing and all the, all the, the actual aspects of filmmaking were no. very, very well put together because the, oddly enough, the, what few films of yours I have seen, um, it's not like I watch and think, oh, there's a strong Michael Mann vibe here. <laughs> but I will say that some of your editing choices, now that I know that you consider yourself kind of influenced by collateral, <laughs> I realize like, oh, there is some 
and having and it's in my mind right now because Josh and I and some other friends uh, just watched Thief, his first film, and uh, and he has a very he has a, an incredibly strong visual sense and a strong editing sense, and so I feel like uh, and I can definitely see with the editing choices that you make and having the sort of the content of the films that you make dictate what the editing is going to be and trying to uh, mirror what your film is about hmm. visually and tonally. And that's, and as far as pacing, um, I feel like that is very much a, a Michael Mann uh, mentality. And then there's the tangerine dream soundtrack in all of Morgan's movies. Yeah, it does. That is odd that you would, that he would do that. Interesting I feel choice. like Interesting I'm not, choice. which he just lifted from thief. I feel like you <laughs> might get in trouble for that. Morgan. Um, but uh okay. So um so you grow up not watching movies or watching, you know, not loving them as sure, as, sure. as someone like myself. Uh you sort of fall into film and then you go to college, you go to Biola as a number of our guests have done. Mm-hmm. Um I have a theory you all know each other, but apparently you don't. Anytime <laughs> I bring up somebody's it's like, "Oh, do you know this person?" No. Well, all right, never mind then. Uh <laughs> Like, does, did each graduating class have, like, three people in it? That's, that's my conclusion. It's fascinating. Anyway, um, so you went, to, you went to Biola for filmmaking, correct? Correct, yes. But I know that, uh, I believe you mentioned, uh, you and I had lunch a while back, and I believe you mentioned that not only did you take, any, did you, take you know, film classes, but you also, also took art classes, specifically. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember you said that those, oddly enough, had a bigger impact on you. Uh, from a cer- to a certain extent yeah. than the film classes. Yeah, I think I think the art classes. What those really really focused on was about being intentional in every in every aspect, mm-hmm. which might be why I'm drawn to Wes Anderson. Mm-hmm. So even though we're dealing with graphic design and these other art forms, I took many of the lessons I learned in there and applied it to film. So mm-hmm. very very intentional. Um, especially with my, you know, my film uh, documentary, every single aspect was an intentional decision, mm-hmm. f- you know, from um, from the way certain things were filmed to the cameras they were filmed on. Each one was picked for a specific reason and for an intentional purpose. Everything had a purpose, mm-hmm. and I learned that from my art classes because when you're designing a, you know, anything when you're when you're designing. Um, it's all intentional. It's, it's mm-hmm. all a choice. But when you're filming, you don't necessarily have to choose um, certain aspects. You can, but you don't. You don't have to. Mm-hmm. But if you're graphic designing, you you have to choose everything because it, you start from zero. Mm-hmm. Um, I I learned a lot from, and then and then my teachers were very very. They had a very high standard for excellence, mm-hmm. so these really really pushed. Pushed, pushed, pushed. It was really hard, mm-hmm. but it it really improved me as an art maker, which improved me as a filmmaker overall. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so okay, and then and so since college, you've made. Well, I've seen I've seen a couple of the short, one could say, experimental films that you've that you've made. Would you say that's fair characterization? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, experimental. I, I I've enjoyed. I've enjoyed using cameras like flip cameras and kind of like these junky kind of analog type cameras that that you wouldn't expect. I, I enjoy utilizing those. Mm-hmm. 
um, you know, the throwing around a flip camera that you would never would do with an Alexa. <laughs> you, know, you, you would never throw a, an Alexa, you know, across a a field, but you might a GoPro. <laughs> so, so like playing playing with that that quality of a certain kind of camera and actually taking advantage of that um, has been an interest of mine. All right. Well, that already that sounds. I I saw one that took place. Uh, took place i don't know if that's the right way but a very a very dark experimental film that had to do with uh, i believe somebody somebody drowning is that yeah, right, right yeah. and uh that certainly because uh, you're kind of in the water there and splashing around and that sort of thing and i remember thinking like wow it's uh i recognize there are things you can do to sort of waterproof a camera but my first thought was like yeah but what if it went wrong you could destroy a camera but of course yeah. if you're dealing with a little flip camera or something like that right. it's not quite as risky right um i missed the flip camera you know, know they stopped manufacturing them because now it's all phones um i still yeah. i i have one and it was very yeah. uh very handy when i was in new zealand yeah i, I i've considered the the flip camera i bought years back was the best investment i've ever invested like in anything so it was 100 bucks and i i used this thing Way more than I would anything else because it could fit in my pocket. Mm-hmm. I could pull it out on a moment's notice and make something, <laughs> you know, at a drop of a hat mm-hmm. that you could never do with any other camera. I mean, now with phones, yeah. you can, but you know, back back in the day mm-hmm. when, <laughs> when phones were one megapixel, <laughs> uh, so it was it was it, it really jump started my creativity was were those flip cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so you made experimental films, and now okay, so let's get into um, this is stuttering, yeah. which is the the documentary that you that you made. Uh, let's go into actually before we get to that, let's let's go back into your childhood. Yeah. Um, oddly enough, at the moment, I think I'm more uncomfortable with this than you are because you've been talking about it, and and mm-hmm. I I'm always nervous about like yeah. if I will ask the wrong question or Absolutely, something like yeah. that. So, um, but I, and I'm sure you've run across that people are like ah well like hemming and hawing mm-hmm. about like what they can and can't <laughs> yeah. say. Um, but uh, so I'll just go ahead and, and ask like at what age did you first notice that you had a, a stutter? Yeah, I don't I don't remember my okay. my fourth grade teacher. Um, pulled my mom aside and said that she thinks I should go to speech therapy. Okay. And I don't remember that. I don't remember ever having a problem. Um, I remember, I remember going and I remember starting to go to this speech therapy thing. I didn't know why I was going though. Um, so that was the first, that was the first actual time when I started recognizing it was, I, I don't, rem- I don't remember a moment. But hmm. it, it got progressively worse, and I think that's what that's what happened. Is most most people, it seems like, at least what I've observed, is because a lot of a lot of children stutter, mm-hmm. but then they grow out of it. So a, a lot of children at some point stutter, and then as they grow up, it starts to go away. It was for me, it was the opposite. So I, it was minor, and then it got kind of progressively worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of did different speech therapies, and in high school, um, I went to speech therapy, um, and they actually did really well. It, it, it was it was really really helpful. Mm. And then I graduated high school, and then after that's the summer after I graduated was the worst 
my stutter ever was. Hmm. It was after I graduated. And what's so interesting, looking back on it, it's now kind of been revealed to me that that it's not about the... It wasn't about the exercises or the breathing. I and mean, those are important. But it was more like I spent four years in high school. And the longer you're in something, the more comfortable you get. Mm-hmm. And then I graduated. And that's when like your world's flipped upside down when you graduate. And I think my stutter got so bad because now I wasn't comfortable. I was uncomfortable. I wasn't confident because I'm going to a new school that mm-hmm. I've never been to. I have no friends there. Mm-hmm. And I think it was that that really messed with me um, in my speech. And so I, 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 you know, I still worked on my exercises. I did all that kind of thing. But the moment of graduation, it shifted hmm. from hmm. being arguably the best I ever was when I was still in school in my senior year. And then I graduated and then it got the worst it ever was hmm. right afterwards. Uh so there seems to be, well, okay, I'll say that there seems to be an emotional component to it, uh, but you have, uh, I believe you told me that uh, that nobody knows really what causes it, is, or people have theories, but like it's not an official, like, this is what right. happens. Yeah, there's, it's still, it's still being researched. There's still a lot of, a lot of research, and what, what throws people off is every case is different every mm-hmm. case is unique so for instance in high school in, in my therapy we, we went through a few months of a certain kind of therapy and it didn't do anything <laughs> i didn't i didn't it wasn't helping at all and then my therapist said let's try something different and so we tried a new therapy and it started it started actually being effective and that doesn't mean the first one was you know completely bad and right and it just didn't work for you away. right exactly yeah. so it's so it's so so interesting, and they're still re- they're still researching, and they're finding ties to different different things, whether that's whether that's upbringing or or life experience, something traumatic, hmm. um, um, whether that's genetics. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of different kind of theories, and not just theories, but evidence of things affecting it. Hmm. That was one of the things I found interesting about the documentary it was uh, i feel like that's uh i feel like with a situation like with an issue like this people go into it think one having that question like what is it that causes this sort of thing and you you deal with it some which is like we're not really sure which i think makes it right makes it interesting and uh you know it makes it one of those things that's hard it doesn't have an easy solution if you don't have like this is this is what causes it then it's right. hard to be like well then this is the solution you know yeah it does seem Especially these days where, you know, science and medicine have gotten pretty good at knowing what causes things and thus how to treat them. The treatment may not always work, but they at least know this is the best way we can do this. And so to have, you know, this thing and you don't necessarily know where it comes from, you know that, you know, certain specifics about yourself um, like the idea of being uncomfortable and that sort right. of thing being a trigger, but uh, but you don't necessarily know where it stems from, and so just sort of casting a wide net as far as therapy goes and just right. seeing what you catch, like that seems like it could be tremendously frustrating. Yeah, yeah, and it, it can be because because like when I was in elementary school during the therapy, it was me and another kid who had a pretty severe stutter, mm-hmm. 
And I I remember being in there thinking it was the biggest waste of time because, number one, I didn't even know I had a problem. <laughs> and number two, it was – it just seemed like it, it was – it's kind of a waste of time. It didn't. It didn't seem like it was working. And maybe it worked for this other kid. I don't know. I wasn't with him long enough to notice notice if it was effective. But I think what it yeah, it's, it's just it's an amazing thing. And the, and also just as a little disclaimer, I'm not a speech language pathologist. Like I'm not. Mm-hmm. This isn't. I'm not an expert, so I don't know. You know for sure, for sure, for sure. If this is the latest information or if it's even the right information, this is stuff that I've. I've observed and taken in, mm-hmm. um, and things that have worked for me. So what's worked for me might not work for other people and what's worked for other people might not work for me, Yeah, mm-hmm. but that doesn't make me right or wrong and them right or wrong. It's, it's just a, this big flux, which is so interesting mm-hmm. that there's a flux and there's, mm-hmm. it's a, such a, it's, it's, it's very, very interesting. I didn't even think about a lot of this stuff until I made this, made the film. Well, let's and we'll we'll let's get into that. So, um, so it's you're in college. Okay, so you graduate and things get much worse. Yeah, uh, you go to college. Are things still pretty rough then? Yeah, and that's okay. that's what's so interesting is I don't I don't remember it being bad. But hmm. if you talk to my roommate. Um, he said that it was pretty bad. Like he he hmm. noticed that it was pretty bad and it got better. Like he he noticed these things. I didn't I didn't notice. I didn't hmm. pay attention hmm. because this is what I deal with every day and this is my right. talk. This is what I'm dealing with. So I can't track progress or track this stuff. But yeah. but my roommate said I came in and it was pretty pretty rough and then it just slowly got better. Um, and I think that has to do with the being comfortable. Mm-hmm. And being confident, um, and I was still doing my exercise. I had I had a, a book of of exercises to do, and I was still going through that and breathing, uh, breathing exercises. Um, but I think for me, the biggest thing, and we'll we'll talk about this later, is just being comfortable with in my own skin and mm-hmm. just being, um, you know, right now I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable being on a podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, talking to you guys who we've met one other time and I'm talking about my deep stuff. Yeah. But because I've done it over and over again, I've become comfortable doing it. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm, I'm pretty fluent talking about it. Um, because I, because I'm comfortable. I think that's, I think that's my, my key. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, by way of, uh, personal experience when we, when we had lunch before the three of us, yeah. um, uh, early in the lunch, it's not like it was incredibly pronounced, but I noticed, you know, I took notice of it, uh, yeah. a, a few times, you know, a few times. And so, um, but as the lunch progressed and then by the end, as it happens uh, Josh had to leave, but, uh, so at, at the end when it was just like you and me talking, like never, like yeah. it never happened. And so, and then you'd, you'd commented that it was that you tend to when you're uncomfortable, it gets worse. When you're comfortable, it gets better. And I thought, okay, well, I guess this lunch has gone well then. That's yeah. um, <laughs> yeah, a good sign. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It means I put people at ease. Yeah. Right, Josh? No, yes, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's fun. So um, I like when you're on board with the bit immediately. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you, Josh. Um, you know what? You're rehired. Oh, good. Um, so uh, 
So, okay. So at what point in college did you decide, all right, I need to like, yeah, go back into speech therapy. Like this is a thing I need to do. Yeah. So I was, I was talking with my mom. It was, it was before my senior year again. Mm-hmm. And I was talking with my mom, and and I think she suggested um, at my home church there was one of our friends is a, a speech therapist, um, and she had suggested talking with her about maybe maybe doing one more round of speech therapy before I graduate, um, just kind of as a last a last hurrah, because mm-hmm. at this point. You know, when you're in school, I, I feel like when you're in school, doing therapy is very different than when you're in the real world mm. doing therapy. This mm-hmm. is a different type of type of feeling. Um, and then also knowing how I reacted after high school mm-hmm. to when I graduated, you know, it's you could think that the same thing would probably happen after college. So the thought was, well, let's try one more round before before my senior year. Mm-hmm. And so I started meeting up with this, um, with this woman, uh, and uh, her name's Alyssa. I'm started meeting up, and this was kind of fun for her too. It's kind of she had never um, worked with a person like me, mm-hmm. um, and so it was kind of new for her too. And so we were kind of uh, not really an experiment, but it was it was a it was a mutual. Um, it was it was, it was m- you know mutual meetings, and she asked me to film the sessions mm-hmm. for her, so she could review review you know, my speech patterns, hmm. um, so she could prepare for the next week's therapy session. Um, and then part of the part of the therapy was to go out in public and talk to strangers <laughs> or talk to different people and take notes of of. Um, how I'm doing, uh, whether I'm like trying a certain technique, these kind of things. And then she asked me to um, talk about it via webcam um, instead of trying to wait a week to to remember how I felt, just to talk straight into a webcam and then email it to her. <laughs> so I'm doing these doing these little videos, um, filming the sessions, um, doing hidden camera type type work to. to film myself talking to these people and I'm at Biola at the same time and mm-hmm. every Biola film major has to do a senior media project or a thesis project so I'm kind of thinking through what am I going to do I don't know what I'm going to do I need to, I need to do something really good but it needs to be my style and all this kind of things and it was just kind of this thing that was weighing on me mm-hmm. and I realized that I was in the middle of making it mm-hmm. I was already doing it and What's really weird, and this is a question that people ask, um, people ask, and I never even thought, but they said, like, why would you, why would you choose to do this for your senior thesis? And what's weird is I didn't even think twice. Mm -hmm. I was just like, this, I I have to, I have to do this. This, I'm already doing it and I have to do this. And I didn't even, I didn't even consider the impact it would make on my life, which has been tremendous impact. Um, well, and you, you'd mentioned bizarre, you'd mentioned to me that, uh, through, through, uh, email correspondence that it was very strange going from somebody who really avoided talking about this, right. um, you know, doing everything you could to hide it to obviously to 
you know, make it better and that sort of thing. Um, and so it does seem like an, like an odd choice to go from like literally like zero to 60. It's, it's yeah. okay. I don't talk about it at all, except maybe with a therapist to, okay, I'm going to make a movie about it where I'm the main the character. Yeah. 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 And, uh, now everyone knows yeah. about this thing. Well, it was, it was, it, I, I didn't even consider that. And like I, it was totally one of those things. And like you said earlier, it's, it's an awkward, like you don't really know how to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just a weird thing. No one really knows how to address it. And so I, and that includes me. I don't, I never talked to anybody about it outside mm-hmm. of my therapist. Um, yeah, everyone knew it was there, but no one, like no one brought it up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's an awkward thing to talk about. Yeah. And I think that's one of the good things about the, the film is people really don't know how to address it. I think like if, you know, people run into someone who has a stutter and they've never, if they've never encountered anyone right. that has it before, they're kind of like, what am I supposed to do? Like, right. do I act differently? Do I, uh, <laughs> I think it's one of those things where I feel like people do that in a lot of situations where they're suddenly confronted with something that they're uncomfortable with. And then in trying to act normal, they act weirder than, <laughs> than they normally would. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so then, so then we spent a year, uh, around a year editing and then released the first teaser trailer. And it was, it was that moment that I realized every, my life was never going to be the same because something I had kept secret for 21 years and not really talked to anybody about. I'm now, I'm now releasing this issue I have to the world to, to complete strangers mm. who I've never met. And now they know, they know the thing that drives me crazy mm-hmm. and the thing that I struggle with the most um, I realized at that moment that my life would never, ever, ever be the same. And my, my subconscious like blew up. Mm-hmm. Like I got really, really, really emotional unexpectedly. I didn't expect that to happen, but mm-hmm. I was very caught off guard by the emotions that were brought up by this, this idea of being vulnerable to the point of, I have to, talk about this now i don't mm-hmm. I, I can't choose like I'm, I'm because i'm doing this now i have to talk about it which is insane yeah there is this attitude like if you if you decide to clam up again then the person's literally like oh so you'll put it on film for everyone to see <laughs> but this one-on-one conversation uh no thank you apparently right like yeah you once you you can't unring that bell so to yeah speak. it's yeah it was really really hard and that's sort of sort of what happened after it was released was I was on this, this high of, of this, this vulnerable, I'm so excited to be vulnerable and so excited to be talking about this. I was, I was like, and it was hard, but I, I was high on it. It was this really emotionally high moment. So, you know, people are bringing it up every day, strangers, and it's like, it's tough, but this is great. I feel really good about this. Mm-hmm. And then two months go by and the high wears off, but people are still talking about it. So I'm like, I don't want to talk. You know, I, I was, I, this is my, this is my junk. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm airing out my dirty laundry every day and I don't want to be doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. But because I put myself out there, I have to. Mm-hmm. And so I got really, I got really just, I don't know. It was, it was a dark, dark, dark time. Mm-hmm. 
And this is, a, this is after the film is at, after has the been film, put out there and people right. have had access to it and right. that sort of thing. So the film was shown at Biola and, and got you know, very, very... Um, it was received very, very well. And then I went to the the International Stuttering Association Conference in Arizona mm-hmm. and played it there for around 800 people. And that was received very, very well there. And it was... I mean, it was an incredible experience, mm-hmm. and it was very. It felt, um, it felt like the film was making an impact in ways that I never could have guessed it would have. And if you watch the film, there's a part where it talks about because all the footage, all the fil- footage was filmed without an intent to be shown to anybody. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the most interesting things about it to me is because you're that has to affect the way that you're acting in right. those, uh, in those moments. Cause you're not expecting anyone to ever see it. Right. So it, these videos were designed for my therapist. It wasn't supposed to be for anybody other than that. And so there's a part where I talk about like, if this stutter, if it, like if this thing affects one person, then my stutter is worth it. Mm-hmm. Like if, if, if by my stuttering I can I can reach somebody um, that I couldn't have otherwise, then it's worth it. And so that that stems then into the film. If this film can reach one person, then it's worth it. Mm-hmm. And so, with an opportunity to go to like the National Stuttering Association conference, mm-hmm. like that that opportunity would never have come had I not had a stutter. Mm-hmm. And so my faith integration into this film then now is being shown to an audience of 800 in Arizona um, that that really puts a spin on it and that really puts a spin on why why it's important to me and why I'm completely hands off like I have no control over this mm-hmm. um, and the the idea of accepting it accepting it as part of who I am for a greater purpose that I might not know yeah. ever. Um, and that this film wouldn't exist had it not had a stutter. And if this film reaches people, then it's worth it. It's just, it was a crazy, crazy, crazy time of realization. And then, yeah. So, so this conference happened. It was, it was awesome. And then this high started to wear off and I got really it got really dark. I got mm-hmm. really, uh, I wouldn't say depressed, but I got creatively depressed because my creativity was tied to the film. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of stopped being creative mm-hmm. because I didn't want it to be connected because my creativity was tied to the film. And I didn't want to talk about the film because it was just being brought up every day. And mm-hmm. it was really, really difficult emotionally because I was still dealing with it. I still mm-hmm. deal with this every day. It's not like this crazy, you know, miracle story of, of healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the thing that. Well, there's a number of, of things that I want to talk about at this point. Is uh, there does seem to be, by and large, more of a national interest in the phenomenon of stuttering, and probably because of the King's Speech, I would mm. guess. Yeah. Uh, because that's a film that, you know, not only did it win Best Picture and that sort of thing, whether we think it uh, deserved it or not is another issue. Um, <laughs> But like, you know, one best picture, but also little little things like uh, it was rated R 
and then they did a PG thirteen cut so that like they could show it in schools. So hmm, I didn't know that. Yeah. Now, of course, ideologically, I have a problem with that. It's like uh, if swearing helped this guy uh, get through this in some way, then it seems maybe running to run counter to what they're trying to do. If they cut that out, hmm. um, it's like, okay, well, if you're going to show it to high schoolers, chances are they've heard these words before. So anyway, um, but, uh, but of course I'm free to say that kind of thing because I, you know, it doesn't affect me in any way at all. <laughs> um, I have no children Not involved uh, in the schools. Yeah. I don't have to worry about any of that, but anyway, not on the MPAA, but that's, that's clearly, that was the national impact that it made is certainly I'm sure the studio encouraged this, but like schools saw it as a valuable resource for kids and high schoolers and that sort of thing. So that's when you know that like this film has made a cultural impact. And I Mm -hmm. think it's, I think people might be more not to imply that people are not forgiving of it, but I think they're more inclined to see it as a very complex issue and let, and you know, like there's some kind of easy fix, you know, where they could say like, Oh, well just relax and you'll be fine. It's like, Oh, relax. Thanks. I hadn't thought of that before. Um, and so, uh, so it does seem as though now is the right time culturally for your film to be out there because it's one thing to hear this big noble story about, Oh, a King who overcame this, but of course he didn't overcome the thing itself. He just overcame, uh, other people's expectations and his own, views of his own limits. Uh, but the thing itself remained for his entire life. And so, uh, so, but that's still a big noble story and a a very, it's a very Hollywood film in many ways. Your story is just probably much more common. People deal with this sort of thing every day. And I did want to, uh, at the, at the risk of, um, you know, kind of, uh, wallowing in, uh, the negativity. I do want to talk a little bit about, you know, there are reasons that you didn't talk about this for a long time. Um, is it something that you were embarrassed about? Is it something right, yeah. that you just, because, well, let me ask you this first, like, were you ever made fun of for it by other, by other yeah. kids or anything? Yeah. Well, in, in the film, I go into two different stories. Mm-hmm. Um, one being a jury duty. Cause going back to this thing about being comfortable, Whenever I'm, whenever I'm talking to somebody of influence mm-hmm. or who's like a, like a big authority figure, or something authority like that. figure, I, I, you know, totally freeze up. So if I'm talking to a policeman or a, a doctor or mm-hmm. the story I talk about is in jury duty, I couldn't attend jury duty, and so I, just, I had to tell the judge, you know, why I couldn't go and all these things. I had to stand up in this courtroom with all these people and all these lawyers and judge and stuff, and it was, it was just horrific it was it was a horrible horrible thing and i ended up apologizing i apologized to them that i couldn't talk and so that was a big moment where it's like i'm now now i'm admitting that it, it it's it's pretty much admitting defeat and you're just mm-hmm. like look I'm, I'm sorry i'm the way i am mm-hmm. and that's a really that that really puts you down down like it's 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 that's a hard hurdle to get over. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the what was the question? Uh, just like, I mean, I mean, that's that's an example. But like, did you ever come up against genuine like, I mean, not necessarily aggression, but ridicule and that sort of thing 
other people's behavior, whether it be kids or, you know, in some case, a teacher, I know is one of the stories you tell, that just made you think like, okay, this is a thing I'm not going to talk about if I, I will do everything I can to hide it. And I will never address it, and I'm going to keep this one to myself as much as I can. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, did you yeah, run there was, that? Yeah, there was some teachers, just, just people who didn't know how to react. And then, you know, obviously, on the you know the school playground, there's always going to be kids who are finding whatever they can to make mm-hmm. fun of somebody. So there's, you know, I got made fun of. Um, but there's a, there's a thing called the the iceberg analogy. Mm-hmm. which is essentially at the tip of the iceberg it's kind of the physical manifestation so you you hear me stuttering you can see me my face twitching all these things and underneath the waters the shame mm-hmm. the embarrassment all these emotional deep deep seated things mm-hmm. that you a stranger wouldn't be able to know right and so that's what that's the stuff that in my school therapies we never addressed Right. We just addressed the tip and and doing these techniques to to hide it better or to to fix the problem. Whereas in the last therapy, which is what the film deals with, we did a lot of emotional emotional therapy mm-hmm. dealing with that shame that I've because I was I was I was I was shameful. But I didn't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to bring it up because it was embarrassing. I was embarrassed by it. I felt like I was a lesser of a person because of in comparison to other people. Um, because that I was I wasn't very outgoing. I was introverted. Uh, because I would rather not talk to somebody than to talk to somebody and be embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And so, so dealing with that stuff, dealing with the the emotional substance that had been compounding mm-hmm. for 15 years on top of itself and had never been addressed before. And I had never even thought about it. So a lot of the film deals with that. So a lot of that, yeah. a lot of that footage is the first time I'm saying these things ever. Mm-hmm. Um, really getting into the nitty gritty of, of how I really feel about it. Mm-hmm. Like the soul, the mm-hmm. soul stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, that, and, oh, go yeah. ahead. Sorry. I was, I was going to say that it just really, it really rocked me as an individual. And then it just makes me laugh that I recorded it and now show it to the, <laughs> to strangers. Like that, that blows my mind. And I do want to, uh, we'll probably start wrapping up in the next few minutes, but I do want to get into the soul stuff a little bit because, yeah. uh, one thing that I find interesting and that I really liked, <laughs> okay. It's weird when you talk about a movie or a certain thing, uh, like with a documentary. It's like, oh, I really liked that. It's like, oh, really? Because the person that was being filmed hated that. <laughs> uh, they hate saying these things. And so yeah. there was one moment that I really liked uh, that I can tell was probably a rough admission on your part, which is, you know, and, and you said it here, the idea of like you're almost to a certain extent thankful for the, the stutter because it has allowed you – to reach other people. Hmm. And so you say, it's like, you know, it's like, so in a way I'm really grateful for it, but I hate it. Yeah. Um, and so, so I want to, I want to unpack that a little bit aside. It's like, obviously, yes, of course you hate it. Who wouldn't, you know, whatever, whatever thing that people see as the, okay, obvious, I'm I'm sure I'm not the first person to say this, whatever your, uh, uh, thorn in the side is, uh, to speak biblically about it, like whatever it is, 
you're just like, okay, I'd really rather this not be right. uh, there. Um, can you please remove it? No? Okay, then. I guess I'm, I guess screw me then is usually my attitude. Sure. Um, and so, uh, so I want to, I want to go back. Is that a, you know, I'm sure growing up Christian, I'm sure you asked yourself many times, why, why me? Why right. is this happening to me? And why won't you just fix me? Yeah. Um, is that a, is that a thing that you found yourself praying or thinking about? No, ab- absolutely. I mean, it's, it's a, any problem, any struggle you have, you think like, wh- why do I deserve this? Mm-hmm. This is a hard, hard thing. Did, did I do something wrong? Mm-hmm. Um, so with the, with the stuttering, it was, it was essentially, it was essentially that all the time. I was like, why, why do, it makes, it makes life so much more difficult. Like, like other people just talk normally. And now I, I have so much thinking that goes behind every word I say. Um, it, it was, it was a very much of a struggle, but now being on the other side and seeing how like God has used not just the film. And what's so interesting is, is my stutter is not severe by any means. It's, right. it's a pretty mild form, but it's also not mild enough to be, um, not noticed, mm-hmm. which puts me at a very interesting place because I can talk in, in a podcast type format or in public and it's not really, really hard to listen to. Um, and I can actually share, like like the film, for instance, is mm-hmm. it's 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 it gets what it needs to across, and I think that's a it's a a blessing that that I can share my story in such a way to where it can talk to the stuttering community, but also transcend stuttering into just human conditions, people people who have whatever problems they have. Cause we all, I mean, we all have problems. And so, so there's people who I've talked to, you know, who are dealing with anxiety, you know, diabetes, different, different issues that, you know, especially, especially m- medical type problems mm-hmm. where it seems like there's no light at the end of the tunnel and you have to deal with this idea of acceptance and accepting that this is something you have. And that's something I've really, really dealt with. Um, is accepting that as part of my my human and my who I am, and and like utilizing that and sh- and sharing that and being vulnerable with people and like starting this conversation about you know what's this is what's hard in my life what's hard in your life let's talk let's start to deal with these things that we tend to hide and want to hide mm-hmm. but shouldn't hide let's talk about that stuff. Um, and so I loved, I loved going to the, the conference and talking with, with, you know, people who stutter, um, just about being vulnerable and just being like, this is something I stutter. I'm a, I'm a stutterer and I want to, let's talk about it. And that's hard. Have you run across anybody? Cause as you said, your, your stutter is, is very mild. Um, and have you run across anybody whose stutter is worse who has adopted the attitude of, well, it's easy for you. 
you know, you, mm-hmm. you can go through life and still, I mean, you know, yeah. we've, we've talked for about an hour right. and it's been, you know, barely noticeable, I think. And right. so have you run across anybody who's like, well, what about me? Right. It, it is hard and it's, it's, it's a difficult, it's a difficult thing because there's, there's always somebody worse. Mm-hmm. And there's always somebody better, and that's it's like it's the comparison game, and that applies to all aspects of our lives. Um, I haven't had any direct conversations with people okay. who who are mad about it, okay, who get angry, but I have heard a little bit of backlash, okay. Um, and it's hard because because in situations like this, I am comfortable, and so my stutter is not, yeah super bad but if if i got pulled over on the my way home after this and you were sitting in the car with me i would be a mess and you'd be like okay i i understand <laughs> so it's like you've got to take me for my word yeah that what, if, what if josh I and i with. went and like put on like cop outfits or something <laughs> everything's still the same i did bring my cop out i know i i always have mine at the ready yeah yeah so it's tough it's tough and it's yeah, it, it's just a hard thing, and I think I think the film really helps tell my story because because mm-hmm. if somebody sat me down and said, tell me tell me your story about stuttering, I probably wouldn't stutter with them. Yeah, because it's generally a comfortable situation. But what's cool about the film is it actually shows shows it and shows the deep emotional stuff, and it is authentic. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to convey that that stuff just in a conversation. Yeah. Um, and so for for someone like me who it's very it changes weekly, daily, based on context, based on situation, um, sometimes people do look at me and be like, You're I wouldn't say a fake, but but it's just like you you don't know what I've what what I'm going through. Right. Because you talked almost fluently on that podcast type mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. Um and I just anybody who's you know thinking that I just want to say like it's that's not how it you know that's not how it is um, um it's tough well i'm glad we were able to make you so comfortable that everything is fine see i feel like this is a, a testament to josh and myself <laughs> yeah. you know we that's make what it, you got out of this it's usually what i get out, okay, of, out all right. of this show good um so uh do you let me ask you this do you have any plans josh and i were talking about this beforehand and i think i might have mentioned it to you as well um just speaking for myself I certainly think that this is stuttering could be a feature, mm. you know, feature length. Yeah. I think you would, I mean, obviously I feel like you'd have to broaden your scope to include, you know, maybe interviews with other people, maybe get a general, like right. a general sense of what this is on a larger scale. But at the same time, I feel like it could absolutely happen. Is that something that you would be open to doing something you're interested in? Or have you just kind of decided that the movie is done? I'm yeah. happy to do the press and stuff, but I, I, I need to move on. Yeah. It's possible. Right now, I am not an important psychologically where I can handle it. Okay. Um, I have thought about it, and I've, I've joked that I could make a documentary about the life after the documentary. Because <laughs> it's been very intense. I've, I've gone through a very, very dark emotional times in the last year. And... A feature, a feature is definitely a thought because originally the short the short was going to involve other interviews and other other things, mm-hmm. um, but obviously that didn't work out. So I've definitely thought about a short or a, a feature, and 
it could be super fascinating, but I'm just not in a place psychologically where I can do that right now. But what's cool is the story of the documentary of, of my journey. That's, it's sort of timeless. Mm -hmm. So I can pick it up or anybody could pick it up five years from now. Yeah. And it's still applicable. Stuttering is still something people are going to be dealing with. Um, almost, almost pick it up five years right from now and then talk about, talk about this whole process, even this conversation now Yeah, as part of the story. Um, so I've, I've thought about it as kind of a long term, picking it up kind of years down the line. Um, but not immediately. I don't, I can't handle it right now. <laughs> well, and I want to, I want to go into that a little bit and you, and you gave some detail. So is, is the issue, cause I just, I want to maybe kind of spell it out a little bit more if possible is the issue that like, you know, you go your whole life, not talking about this thing. Yeah. And then you talk about it a whole lot. And that, that act is very liberating and it's very like, this is who I am. Obviously yeah. it's not uh, a picnic, but you know, it's helping other people and there you go. And you're on this high. And then of course the high goes away and well, now I still have this thing that I'm dealing with. Right. And now, um, and this is something you and I've talked about in the past. Um, now this is kind of public, uh, part of your public identity. You know, you are, Oh Morgan, that's, you know, that's the, the stuttering guy, you yeah. know, and you've, and though you have said that you embrace this you embrace it to a certain extent you don't like it but you say this is part of you know this is part of my uh oh lot in life hey that's your last name it is and so um you know but at the same time you want people to think oh morgan well he's a filmmaker right he's a christian he's you know whatever uh you don't merely want to be thought of in that way is that part of it or is it just like was there part of you obviously you didn't believe this part of you just that thought like, okay, well, uh, the emotional liberation of being open about this thing that I haven't been in the past, that will make up for the frustration that I have with having it. It, it, it like, is any of that, uh, true yeah, or am I just yeah. Kinda... it's, it's, it's more like my, my stutter has been kind of a lifelong struggle mm-hmm. and, I kind of viewed this as stuttering as my, I could, I could never see me doing anything ever better than it. Hmm. Like, how can you be more vulnerable and open than dealing with that kind of a thing? So I viewed it, I viewed it as kind of my, my, not my masterpiece, but, but like in, in, in like this, this thing that is everything in my life has been going to this point. Mm hmm. And so I think that's what was really hard for me is trying to see past that. Cause obviously I can't sit on this train forever mm-hmm. and I've got to move past it. But I had such a hard time because, because it was so psychologically difficult and it was so, it's still a daily struggle and I still deal with it you know, every day. Like yesterday, uh, this morning, I had, I, I had a really, really bad block this morning, and it, it drove me crazy. And I think I think I'm finally getting to the point where I can see past it, mm-hmm. and that's encouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because it's just been such a all-consuming daily, not just a daily struggle, but but talking about it on the daily and people bringing it up and we're talking about it now, these kind of things mm-hmm. that, which is great. I mean, it's, it's all great. Um, and I'm going back to the conference this year. Okay. I'm going to do a workshop. Kind of what we're doing today is, is like talking about since since the film was released, what's happened in mm. that year. Yeah. Um, and really challenging people to, to be vulnerable hmm. and to take that step. Cause that's a hard step to take. And mm-hmm. that's, it's really, really difficult. And so kind of almost like the next step. So like this is stuttering was the therapy to the recognition or the acceptance. And then the next step is, okay, then what next? Like what's after the acceptance? What you're not just done. It's not just all, you know, roses and, you know, candy, lots of candy, <laughs> but there's, you continue that conversation. It continues to affect your life. Mm. I think that's the kind of the next step is, is how has this all affected us? And that, and like, that's what the feature would go into probably mm-hmm. is that, that part of the story, but it's just, it's taken such a psychological toll on me. Yeah. Like the short did that, it's just like really, really overwhelming to think about doing a feature <laughs> I know right some, now in my life. I know somebody who made a, a short several years ago, a short about the, uh, the uh, effect of porn. And it's something that, uh, that he struggled with as a number of people do. And, uh, and I said, you know, you've, you definitely have a feature here. He goes, I, I don't know if I can make a feature. I was yeah. like, why, why is that? He goes, he's like, just, having this stuff in my mind all the time. I was like, yeah, but it's not like you're showing porn. He goes, no, but it's just there in my mind. I'm thinking about it a lot. And I was like, that's interesting hmm. that, uh, and part of me is just like, yeah, but can't you power through? Cause this could be a great documentary. Right. And then it's just like, yeah, but it, <laughs> if it causes right. him it's, to, it's more complicated. Yeah. Um, so if you wanted, uh, you know, and we, we've touched on this a little bit already, but, um, if you, you know, people listening to this, if you wanted them to come away from this episode having learned something, in this case, let's just say one lesson, not more than one. <laughs> We're good with just the one lesson this time. I know, I'm not I know. People are going to be upset. Uh, a lot of emails. Where right. were the other lessons? Josh, you be, okay, tell you what. While I'm talking with Morgan, you think of another I'll lesson. Come up, I'll come up with a lesson. Okay, thank you. Um, so, uh, like an important life lesson. All right. Like I got, I'm full of your them. usual thing. Don't worry. And so, um, but if there's something that you want somebody Christian or otherwise, but at the moment, let's say Christian actually, um, to take away from this episode and from your story, you know, and we might be repeating ourselves and that's fine. Um, it's the note I want to go out on aside from right. Josh's ridiculous lesson that I'm sure he's cooking up right now. It's going to be great. Um, what what would you want somebody to take away from your story? I think the biggest the biggest thing, and this really surprised me, is I did not expect this is stuttering to. I thought it was just going to be a story about stuttering, mm-hmm. but what I've been hearing from people is that it transcends stuttering, mm-hmm. and it's it it's tended to start the conversation of being vulnerable. And I think, I think that's the thing because vulnerability, what vulnerability does is like when you're vulnerable to somebody, 
not only does it make them more comfortable to be vulnerable back, but being vulnerable is a humbling experience. It is a, it's, there's trust involved. There's a lot of good, good, good things relationally that happens when you're vulnerable. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it, it makes you grow and it, it pushes you and it's, it's uncomfortable and like, these, these are good things. So if any, if I, I would love any, anybody listening to this, I would love for you to be vulnerable with one person this week <laughs> about anything. It could be anything and be like, look, I am I'm having a hard day today. Uh, today, you know, I went, when I was driving here, I packed a lunch and I forgot it next to my front door. I walked right past it, forgot it. And I was mad. I got really mad. And it was a bummer. It was horrible. <laughs> are you are you still mad? Uh, you know, I'm a little frustrated, but but it's okay. Is that Wendy's nearby? So there's always yeah. yeah, I've I've got good news for you. Yeah, Wendy's. But even in that, it's like like be be a little bit emotionally vulnerable, and and let let somebody know some of that deeper deeper stuff. Not not so shallow. Like instead of saying, "Oh, I just forgot my lunch," be like, "I forgot my lunch," and it actually irritated me quite a bit. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So and it's it's a scary thing. Uh, it's because, really scary because you never know when you open up to somebody, they might not know what to do with that, right? And they mm-hmm. might react in a way that is not at all what you want, right? And yeah. chances are, if you're being vulnerable. You may not immediately know what it is you want, but you definitely know what you don't want when you hear it. Um, and so, you know, what you don't want to hear is the the equivalent of the uh, that Seinfeld thing. It's like, good luck with all that. Like, <laughs> you don't want to hear somebody's version of that. Sure. But what I will say is from personal experience, you know, I, I put myself out there quite a bit on this podcast and to my friends. And sometimes mm-hmm. people don't react the way you want them to. Right. Sometimes people, in fact, people will sometimes react with their own agenda. And in that moment, all I want to do is just scamper and be like, aha. Cause there's always a conversation happening in my head, which is you shouldn't do that. And then if somebody says, if somebody doesn't respond the way I want, in fact, maybe if they respond in kind of a damaging way, part of me is just like, aha, see, I told you you shouldn't have done that. Now, next time this comes up, don't do it. Hmm. But that's the thing is like, I feel like the nature of life is putting yourself out there and trusting people, which is something I don't do easily, but trusting people because in the end, oddly enough, it has less to do with their reaction and more to do with your willingness Hmm. to, to show who you really are. Right. Um, all right. Well, let me ask you this. Well, okay, before we get to that, Josh, what do you got? Anything? Um, the difference between coral snakes and king snakes is uh, coral snakes have the red and yellow stripes next to each other, whereas with the king snakes, it's red and black, and uh, the coral snakes are poisonous. There you go. So wait, which one do I have in my bedroom? I don't even know now. Well, I, I don't pay close attention to those kind of details. All I know is I've got a cuddly snake in there. Here's the thing. When you go in there, I got a little rhyme for you. Okay. Red on yellow, kills a fella. Okay. Red on black, friend of Jack. Who's Jack? That's you in this scenario. Oh, okay. Got yeah. it. Okay. All right. Thank you. Josh, once again, proving your worth. You're welcome. Um, so, okay. 
I appreciate that you had something when I went to you. That was <laughs> delightful. And I like that we ended on an, an, an absurd enough note that, uh, that it counteracts everything that we just said. So, all right. <laughs> all right uh, Morgan, uh, so where can people find information about This Is Stuttering? Uh, is it available for people to purchase? Is it av- are there screenings happening anywhere? Uh, give us... Give us the whole rundown. Whole rundown. Um, well, there's a website. This is stuttering.com. That has everything on it. It's got trailers, information. Uh, there's a store. You can buy t-shirts, mm-hmm. stickers, and pre-order the DVD. Okay. Um, that's at this is stuttering.com. Uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash this is stuttering um, for all updates as well. Uh, as far as screening goes... Uh, screenings go. It will be playing at the National Stuttering Association Conference okay. in Washington D.C. in July, um, and I'm very, very excited about that. Yeah, that was a very, very powerful experience last year, and and I'm excited to continue that conversation. No. Um, that's the last, the next, and last screening, as okay. I'm aware of. Um, but I'm definitely open to. Open to anything. There's a contact um, on thisstuttering.com. So anybody listening wants to get a hold hold of us, it's on there. Um, we're very very open, and we want to we want to share this with, with as many people as possible. Okay, that's the goal. And when roughly when do you think the the DVD will be available? You said people people can pre order it, but when do you think right. that will be available? We we are shooting to have it available the first week of July. Okay. That's the goal. All right. We want to we want to release it at that conference. Oh, okay. Fair in enough. In DC. So that's kind of that's kind of the goal, and and we're working towards that goal. All right. Well, uh, as always, um, you can go to morethanonelesson dot com for other episodes and minisodes and uh, various articles and such. Um, I don't I don't remember if I've mentioned this, but there is both. Well, certainly. By the time this airs, I'm sure I have. But uh, there is both audio and video for the panel that I did at the Mountaineer Film Festival, which was a lot of fun, and I think uh, it was a great conversation. Uh, you can email me, Tyler, at morethanonelesson.com, or Josh, Josh, at morethanonelesson.com. Or, hey, you can email us both. Um, and then you can follow me on Twitter, at more lessons. You can follow Josh. At the Josh Long. At the Josh Long. You can also join our Facebook group, uh, where we, where I post uh, updates and, and that sort of thing. So I think that is it. Morgan, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. And Josh, as always, thanks for being here. You're welcome. And thank you guys for listening, and we'll get you next time.